Hey there. Howdy. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were Hello, saying Ben. <laughs> we're back. This is Nick and Ben. It's been two weeks. Welcome it's been, back. It's been a little bit. We're uh, recording again. This week we're going to be talking about the alt-right. We're going to talk about Donald Trump, obviously. We're going to talk about different members within the alt-right that we read about, you hear about. Um, I thought you said there weren't members. Well, some of them are. Some of them claim to not be. Some of the alt-right members, some of the alt-right sympathizers. There's hardly anybody that will say that they themselves are members, so we'll kind of get into that too. And we'll talk about kind of what it all means for the country. Can I can I do a, a quick 30-second disclaimer on a couple things? No, absolutely not. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. A couple things to know about this podcast. A, uh, we're, fil- we're recording this on Thursday the 8th. On the, in the background, there is the first NFL game of the season. So if at some point you hear me and Nick go like, oh, shit, or something like that, something probably happened between the Broncos and the Panthers because we are watching the game. Uh, second off, I'm going to let I'm gonna let you basically tell me everything you want to tell me about the alt-right. I think we are going to probably disagree on a lot on this podcast. We're probably going to mm-hmm. get into it. But, you know, I, I think you will pro- – you probably have a lot of things that I don't know about the alt-right because – you know, I know you have some fucking some info here that you dug up and stuff, and none of this has to do with the alt right. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so I'm gonna let you kind of give me your your perception and your your opinion and your take on the alt right, and then I'll kind of we'll kind of just take it from there. So, so like defining the alt right is very difficult because there isn't really much of anyone, very few people that consider themselves part of the alt right. It's um. I mean, it's kind of like how a few years ago, oh shit, almost seven years ago now, people talked about the Tea Party, and there was no like Tea Party. There is people that believe somewhat common things, but it was a it was a spectrum of a wide ranging of beliefs that gathered and um, supported somewhat similar things. Uh, the alt right is kind of kind of like that. It's a mixed bag. You get a lot of different things. You can hear different voices will articulate um, in, uh, a lot of the ideas about it. People like, um, like if you listen to Stephen Molyneux, like he's definitely not, like he's not an alt-right guy, but he will speak honestly about it. Which one's um, Stephen Molyneux again? Uh, he is like a, is he the, he's like a historian philosopher type guy. Uh, if you ever watch his YouTube videos, he's the bald guy with the white background. <laughs> Wait, are you if you've ta- ever watched, are you talking of... about the white nationalist nationalist guy? He's definitely no, he's bald because he's bald. Okay, because there is a guy named Stephen or Stefan. Stefan Molyneux, yeah, he's not a white nationalist. Okay. I don't know, maybe that's who you're thinking about, but um, um. Anyway, Milo Yiannopoulos, who doesn't consider himself a member of the alt-right, but he defines himself as a alt-right sympathizer. Um, ben Shapiro, kind of people like that, like voices that are definitely outside of the mainstream. And then it kind of ranges over to people that are more in the mainstream people of, uh, of what people see on a regular basis. People like Ann Coulter, um, Shan Hannity definitely sympathizes heavily um, there's really no concepts there that are new based on spending 
a lot of hours of listening to these various people talk about the alt-right and what they believe and what they care about. If I had to summarize, like they basically care about preserving culture. Um, they view they view American culture like descending like descending from kind of the like the British common law like system of jurisprudence and dealing with natural law and like kind of combining that a little bit with natural law as being a, a fundamentally superior way of jurisprudence to just mob rule or gang rule or oligarchical rule or any other ways that we kind of end up going or like other cultures go about things. They are in general lovers of small government, but not, not universally, certainly not exclusively. Um, they are nationalistic in a sense. I should, and um, that's a pretty big part of there. It is. It's a huge part of it. It's probably like the main, like the most recognizable part. Like they are, they're nationalists in the way that a lot of people are not interested or willing to be. Um, now, naturally, like in every other culture, pretty much everyone's a nationalist. Um, they point out how in Western white culture. Like Western white culture is, and as it should be, and as every culture should be, self-critical. Um, but what they point out is no one else is self-critical. And our self-criticism turns into self-hatred and oversensitivity to things that we really shouldn't be self-hating about. Um, they will commonly go through history and we'll talk about the flaws of Western culture and history and the sins that have been committed in the past and then compare them to every other culture and basically made the point that, yeah, we're really bad. And the only people that are worse is everyone else. <laughs> okay. So where, where that comes into play now is they want to protect American culture from being invaded by all these people coming in. They're generally anti-immigration. I shouldn't say generally, Pretty much universally, yeah. Anti-unchecked immigration. Um, I don't even know about unchecked, but okay. They, yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of like the, that's where you kind of get into the spectrum. But, by the way, and I, I'm, I swear I'm going to let you finish. Mm -hmm. uh, I just have to say, when you say protect American culture, you're saying their idea of American culture. Correct. Okay, um, that's a big difference. Well, it is a big difference because at this point, there isn't really a whole lot of a American culture and there okay. hasn't been for a very, very long time. Um, they go back to like the kind of, they look at, now, I mean, a lot of people hate on every former child of the British Empire, but they look at a certain, a, a, a way of being and a way of thinking and then how it grows over time and self-criticizes and finds faults and then improves on those as being superior to every other culture, which just knee-jerk blames everything on everyone else, always. Um, I think that it's, to a certain extent, a testament to, um, to our culture that 
we we really take seriously our own issues in the past and we feel very badly about them even though none of us were like none of the us were around doing the things to any of the people that are around now and there's really no legitimate reason for it well okay well i'll let you there's really no legitimate reason for us to spend so much time kind of the the image that we look at of the modern liberal is like they're the um they're the overly pendant um, pilgrim who has like the whip that they only use on themselves, and when they commit a sin or they think an impure thought, they're just whipping themselves. So if they, like the, the modern liberal, if they if they if they sense any hint of white privilege in their own lives, they're just over there like crying and putting the ash ashes on their head and whipping themselves. Well, I mean, it's just, it's a fact. It has... It's not a fact. How is it this not is, a fact? This is your opinion. Like, it's a lot of people's opinion. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean... And I think it's ridiculous. 40% of the country's voting for Trump. Yeah, that's fine. I understand. Hundreds of millions of people are agreeing with that. I, I My personal thing is that I think that's just insane, but okay, go ahead. Keep so going. You, you don't think that white culture has just devolved into a overwhelming sense of self-hate no i'm not saying that there, there's not people that go too far i hate the fucking you know super far left the the people you there are people out there that as you say fucking do the cat and nine tails of white guilt when mm-hmm. they slap their back that's uh, a very good way of putting it that's yeah. excellent uh but first off when you argue that i think a lot of people argue that and they're trying to dissuade themselves of any guilt now no absolutely not well you're saying what's the point of we're looking at we want to be realists okay but being realist is very convenient when hundreds of years of a certain way have created certain like a lot of the problems in these minority communities that are there that have poverty problems and crime problems or whatever is because of oppression from the white culture and see that's a problem because that is totally not true that is 100 percent that's absolutely not true oh. we look at just in a few generations between the ending of slavery and up through the 19 like pick like the 1920s and 30s when black illegitimacy was under 20 percent versus now it's over 80 percent you look at how just you don't, you don't the, think you don't think that things like that become exponential though, when certain when a uh, entire populace is at a disadvantage, when an entire group of people has well, made, they were much more disadvantaged then than they are now. I'm not saying that they weren't then, but the more every generation, the population has grown. The issues have gotten uh, bigger and worse. The population of people who have been slighted have gotten bigger and worse. The Every generation that has had to deal with it, I know you can sit here and say, hey, we got a black president, like, we can move on now or whatever. That's but the relevant. infrastructural problems in a lot of these communities are exponential in the fact that it's very hard for people that are born into problem areas. And this has nothing to do, this is this is a sociological thing, this has nothing to do with white or black whether it's a poverty, you know, white community in fucking Mississippi or a black one, uh, there's plenty of white trash in fucking, you know, there's places around here in Wisconsin that have very 
you know, 100% white populations that are poor and, and crime's a problem and all that shit. It's a very hard thing to break yourself out of that trend. So when you have a huge group of, of population that, in, whether it's, you know, Detroit or fucking Chicago or whatever it is, and certain neighborhoods have, have historically had a lot of issues and problems or whatever like that, that stems from somewhere. A lot of it comes from the infrastructure that was built on white oppression. And I'm not saying that, you know, as a modern white guy, like I, I'm a 28-year-old white guy. I had nothing to do with any of that stuff. I don't think anyone in my family ever had anything to do with that. But I understand that that shit happened. And I'm not going to sit here and say, well, move on. Fucking just pick yourself up and move on. You know what? Like, what's the point in dwelling on it? Because, dude, that shit is an infrastructural reality of what happened. So, yes, there's a point where the, the black community, some of their problems, I will agree with you that they have to, and there's a lot of black leaders that have said this, uh, you know, they, there is a, a bit of, uh, you know, self-checking and organization from within and accepting you can't undo every wrong bell that's ever been done and we have to, we have to pick ourselves up and fix this shit from, from within, but that doesn't mean that they weren't fucking given a huge disadvantage from the start infrastructurally fucking so much of certain cities, certain cultures, certain minority groups have had a huge disadvantage, which has generation generationally uh, and exponentially continued because of oppression. Now, great. The last well, couple decades have been my, better. They haven't been better. They're worse. My problem with what you're saying... You just said they were better, like, five seconds ago. No. You're saying it's worse now than it was in the 20s? I am... Okay, are we talking about outcomes, or are we talking about institutional racism? Which, uh, there's no such thing as institutional racism. There's racist people doing racist things. There's a there's large groups of people that are racist, and they represent entire institutions. So, but racism has decreased... But outcomes, the outcomes have what do you mean by gotten out? worse. What do you mean by outcomes? The the economic and familial state of minority communities in the United States have gotten worse over the last fifty years, correct? Uh they've gotten dramatically worse. There's really no I mean see this is this is I I'm not gonna argue one of these statistics because I feel like you, you probably have some statistics to back that up. But I can tell you that I believe a lot of those things are a little bit misleading because when you say that populations have increased, I mean, there's a lot of... But what does that matter? I mean, we're, because, we're a nation of individuals. Yeah, but if you're saying in 50 years ago till today, there's 100 million more people in the country and you're saying, well, there's been 20,000 more X whatever crime in the last uh, this year. Well, that's versus why the only crime that ago. matters, or the only crime statistics that matter, are per capita crime. Okay, I'm just saying when you look at the size of cities now versus 50 years ago, and and just the re the reality, it's it's so incredibly difficult to compare now to 50 years ago. Well, you when compare you, our cities to like Chinese cities. Our big cities are relatively small. Okay, but again, this is and this was, we've argued this on other podcasts. I think it's impossible to uh, compare 
well, different cultures is. in different countries considering China they have yeah they have they have cities that are twice as large as New York but they a are a homogenous nation they have a completely different government they have a diff- different history they have a different everything they have a different history and a different culture and I think that we will find that that is the the relevant bit of information um, the reason why they can have so many people packed into such a small area and have such bad conditions yet continuously improve is it may appear to be the the reason that they're able to do that is that they're full of Chinese people. Wait, what? Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. Say, say that sentence again. The, it, it, it may be like, as we make an objective analysis of even statistics in our own country, that the reason that Chinese cities that are, that are starting out so backwards if we just go back a few decades, um, so impoverished, so so dense population-wise, yet somehow have improved decade over decade. Um, one of the arguments for why that may be is the fact that they're just filled with Chinese people. What does that even mean? Well, and this is kind of an argument against the whole, like, the specter of, or the original sin of institutional white racism, which if you're, if you're a white person, you're either assumed to be automatically a real racist, or maybe you're guilty of subconscious racism or spectered racism, or you're doing things that you don't even realize that you're doing to harm minorities, like anyone who isn't white. But when we look at many of the, the Chinese immigrants that came in, under terrible circumstances into the country anywhere from the mid-19th century all the way up to today, which they were obviously not white. They obviously suffered incredible amounts of racism from white people, yet they have a much lower instance of crime than even white culture, than even the supposedly privileged white culture. They have higher per capita incomes. They have lower illegitimacy, rate, illegitimacy rates, by every objective standard, even though they dealt with a lot of the same problems, I can't say all the same problems because we can always find something that's different, but even though they experienced many of the same issues that other minority cultures have dealt with, have succeeded in an exemplary flat fashion. All right. So um, another thing, and again, we talk about anti-Semitism. Um, a lot of Jews that immigrated to the United States um, were basically held down by anti-Semitism in Europe for centuries, really. Yeah. And yet when they immigrated to America, it took, on average, about four years to make, to, like, catch up to average income rates. So when, you, when you're saying all this, though, and this is just what I'm hearing, and believe me, I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you're saying, or what I'm getting from it is, are you saying that there's just something wrong with the black community or something like that? Because I'm saying people are different. Okay. The, the, but you're saying, yeah, people are different. This group of people seems to do things the bad way. This group of people seems to do things the right way, and they're successful. I'm saying that what we can never do is be afraid of facts. Like at some point, if we be, we develop a hatred of facts, 
because they don't they don't lend themselves to the conclusions that we want to draw, then we are we are the biggest bigots. Okay, so are, are, then we are create... you saying though that the facts say that the black community is incapable of doing these growths or something like that? Because that's no, again, I will not say that, and here's why I will not say that because, and like I began to say before, uh, some of the things that you were saying before about how the the black community is held down by the fact that they were just dealt a shitty hand, and I've established others were dealt a shitty hand as well and had different outcomes. I think that to to maintain the belief that you're espousing, you have to completely erase almost a century of history to buy into that, to to lend any credence to it. We look at the advancement of black culture between the end of slavery and, incidentally, the mid-60s, is meteoric. The rise in black IQs was truly meteoric. But now they average at 85. They've just completely stagnated. In fact, they've not stagnated. They've gone backwards. Okay. And I think that one of the one of the reasons for it, which incidentally, when we go back to the 20s and 30s and we look at um, many of the, the progressive ringleaders, kind of the Margaret Sangers and people like that, they looked at the rise of the black community and they felt personally threatened. They did. They felt that white culture was being threatened by the fact that black culture was improving so fast and so dramatically. When really, we should want every group, yay, every individual to improve dramatically and fast. But doesn't that go right back to white oppression? It does. And we'll, we'll close that loop. I mean, um, oh, oh my God, this, this, this group of minorities is... Now that they're they're free and and civil mm -hmm. rights is coming around and stuff, well we better well, we better put a kibosh to that. Rights, well, I know we're talking were, about the '60s for civil rights. We're talking, but we're going back to the '20s here when they were seeing this, and the '20s and '30s when they were espousing. If you think if you think a, a meteoric look from slavery to the '20s, okay, maybe you can consider that meteoric. But you go back in history, you think the 20s was a fucking great time to be a black person? No, but I'm saying the rise in IQs, the, yeah, the, because the they strengthening were, of the family. You're, you're saying the rise in IQs, they were able to go to school. They were able to, like, you're talking about fucking, you're saying, that's like saying, like, uh, you're talking about having no rights and no fucking freedoms and no opportunities to having something and that's meteoric that's like saying like a piece of shit with some peanut butter on it is a mediocre or meteoric difference like oh my god that's such an improvement like they were they went from slavery to like a modicum of freedom yes it Even was not good still, it was bad it was bad it was very bad and but it was like what they were afforded and there was unquestionably major and direct both personal both interpersonal and institutional racism against all minority communities at that time still and none more so than the black community yet in the face of that given what's given the fact that they were starting out with a non-existent family structure and then developing a family structure and developing a community, and a community that generation over generation, in a relatively also real short period of time, 
was seeing dramatic improvement. And why did they have no family structure, though? Because of slavery. There you go. Okay. Absolutely. So yet another remnant of white oppression. Well, except that it stopped. Okay, but just because something... But it stopped. Just so you can't... If you, want, if you want to, like... If you want to tie the current... Like, this is why I say you can't, you're like, you're deleting a century of history. I'm not if deleting it. Current, I'm just saying if you're doing the shit. current situation and you're attaching it to slavery, you need to have a continuous thread from thence till now. I'm saying you can't delete, like, okay, yes, it's I'm stopped. not deleting everything. Anything. I'm saying you can't. I'm saying yes, we need okay, to be it's, realistic it's stopped, about everything. But that shit went on long enough that it had lasting and generational <laughs> impacts. Yes, and in a relatively short number of generations, those impacts were handled, were dealt with. And they weren't handled by through assistance from outside communities. They did it themselves. They did that. They overcame that. And what I'm saying is in the 20s, the American progressivism at that time was very threatened by this because they were, without a question, white supremacists. They were eugenicists. They sought um, birth control, not for white people, but just forced birth control for black people. Yeah, eugenics. Blacks, browns, dirty whites, anyone who doesn't fit the white standard. And among that, they sought abortion. Like Margaret Sanger thought it was terrible to think that any white woman would ever have an abortion if she was having a white baby. She thought it should only be, you should only be having black people aborting their babies. They and more, most interestingly, they sought a system of government assistance and high and and much higher minimum um, minimum wage levels, so that you could price these minorities out of the job market and then force them onto welfare programs, whereby they would be completely dependent. They would have no way to climb an economic ladder. And then once they were in that situation, they could be controlled forever. Now, obviously, after World War II, and we saw what happened in Germany, that system of thought completely fell out of vogue. It went from being very common and very accepted to being just totally heinous to think that. But surprise of, like, Big shock of shocks, surprises of surprises. Um, in the 60s, when we instituted those same policies, but for different reasons, under the argument that we're trying to help these people rather than control them, we got all of those same exact outcomes that those bigoted people were going were were searching for. Wait, say that again. Just just the last part. When we got into the 60s and we began instituting the policies that they were originally supporting, but under completely, we were selling it, we were marketing it differently. And by we, I mean the 1960s progressives slash liberals at that time. They were saying, they were pushing, they got people to believe that we were trying to help people. Which... That they were held down by the man, and the only way that they can get forward is with high minimum wages, government assistance, all of these things that we just take for granted now. And ever since those you came, those were mistakes. Absolutely, because you're saying stuff like minimum wage and fucking certain regulations and stuff are were mistakes. Absolutely, look at the results. In the absence of those things. 
And in the presence of major racism, black culture advanced and was continuing to advance very far. Okay, and then now, talking, you, in an era of declining racism, but in right. more of those policies, we see a major devolution. Two things on this. You keep talking about like the fucking how far the black culture progressed in the 20s through the 60s, and then all of a sudden the 60s are like all reversed or whatever. I just... I can't hear that, man. Like, you're talking about after fucking the Civil War and the Emancipation Proclamation and slaves were, and I'm doing, I know it's a podcast, so you can't see this. I'm saying they're free. They're fucking sharecropping. Sharecropping, yeah. And that's terrible. It was terrible. You're talking about an entire population released from slavery, again, air quotes. So, yes, they're not technically slaves anymore, but... It's an it's entirely uneducated populace. Mm-hmm. They have they don't have jobs. They don't have training. They don't have anything. They have uh, jobs. Okay, they have the worst jobs. Yep. There's a very small number of people who are educated. There's entire po- there's entire cities that from after slavery we're talking about just poor poverty, just barely surviving cities of black citizens living and just making a fucking way in life. But ben, now, you're you can talk my about point. you're proving my no, point. No, no, I'm not. What I'm saying is you're saying and then it got better and better and better until the sixties. No, yeah, maybe there's some great examples of fucking cities that did or whatever. We're talking about tens of millions of people that their life was just rough and oppression, especially in the South, for for a large number of black people from from forever. Because it was horrible before slavery and it was horrible after. And even up until the 60s when the civil rights happened and stuff like that, it never fucking got better. Now it got better because... Oh, it got dramatically worse. Okay, but I'm just saying. So, like, you talk about this almost like it was, like, golden age for fucking black people from the No, 20s. it was no golden age. I'm saying that... But you keep using words like terrible, meteoric rise. Okay. It was a meteoric rise. Yeah, from nothing. Exactly. So you're, 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 you're pointing out... That given where a population or a culture, where, where its members, its individuals that are a part of it, are growing up now, sociologically and economically, that they have no chance. And I'm pointing out that people came out of much worse situations and in relative in, in a, few, a low, like very few generations improved. Okay, but many here, things structurally within their but, own culture. But here's my argument. First off, there is no one, there is no one to one comparison for the history of the black culture in the country versus any other population. You can talk about Asian Americans. I know there's a horrific amount of stories and history of. It's Asian- actually a very good one to one comparison. It's not a good one to one. Why not? Because a it lasted longer. There was a larger population of it. It was different. It was systematic. There wasn't a systematic slavery for Asians. There was, uh, Asians were put on the worst things. They built the railroad systems. Mm-hmm. Fucking millions of them died to build the infrastructure mm-hmm. for this country. Yep, absolutely. But it wasn't systematic slavery like African Americans and blacks. It was a different, fu- it's not a one-to-one comparison. But it was and different also, after it, slavery ended for blacks as well. Okay. It changed. But Things changed. You can say it changed, but all that shit still fucking happened. And just... It was a longer period of shit happening, building the infrastructure of oppression and fucking systematic um, domineering and and oppression, whatever other synonyms for oppression there is. I'm not saying – I'm not trying to take anything away from the 
horrific atrocities that happened to, to uh, you know, the Asian populations. And you can talk about fucking, go ahead and say, oh, the Italians and the Irish were fucking persecuted and stuff like that. Yeah, they were. But you know, at the end of the day, for the most part, they looked white. And they, after the fucking... Mm, People didn't think that way back then, though. Yeah, I know you can say that now, but it was a lot easier after the... Because we we don't understand now how it was then. No, but I'm just saying it's a lot easier to integrate if you're an Irish guy or an Italian guy and you look generally like the fuck, like a quote unquote, uh, you know, European white or what, you know, the, the white guys that were in power at the time versus the black culture. There's no fucking way I will sit here and say that there is a one to one comparison, whether it's Jews or Asians or whatever. It is different when it comes to the black culture. Yes, there's difference. It's not a perfect. It's, it's a not very different. Analogous. It's a very different. It's similar enough, and you can just look over the same timeline within a given culture, just that one culture, and you can see one trend was improving, which flies in the face of any kind of racism because they were able to overcome terrible, awful things, and still, I mean, achieving much less than what they should have given their efforts, but achieving a life that was better than each generation had before it. And there was a goal to stop that. And it had methods for accomplishing that goal. And the stated reasons for that goal became politically unpopular, but much later, the same methods were put in place with different stated goals. And what do you know? The original stated goals of the, of the eugenicists in the 20s and 30s They got what they wanted, even though they were long dead. You know what this is? This, to me, and this is to tie it back to the alt-right thing, because I never even got to talk my idea. Everything you're saying, and this is what I hear in the alt-right and why it frustrates it so much, is that it's a bunch of white guys going, because I think generally speaking it's a very misogynistic, uh, racist group. I'm not saying all of them, because you know what? Well, you see a bunch of white guys together, you assume they're all racists. No! Well, not, apparently you do. No, I don't. Saying. That's not at all what I'm saying. You're saying that I'm saying that, but I never even remotely said that. <laughs> I went to a fucking school, uh, first through eighth grade. We had two black guys there, so it was essentially a group of white people. Does that make the school inherently racist? I mean, I wouldn't say so, but... I don't think most of America would say that. You know what? There's... What is it? Fucking... I'm starting to wonder. It's a much larger population of white people versus black people in this country. That doesn't mean it's inherently racist. This is what I think the alt-right wants you to think because it, it quote-unquote, proves their fucking point. But this is what pisses me off about the alt-right. It's a lot of people going, it's a lot of people without empathy because they're going, hey, what did I ever do to this fucking culture? Why am I getting persecuted? And you're not taking into account the entire history and scope of what happened to a group of people. Now, a lot of those people... The shit didn't happen to them, but it happened to their to their ancestors. And their situation where they are now is a direct result of what happened to their ancestors. And, yeah, as a 28-year-old white guy who's living in Wisconsin, I've never fucking persecuted or fucking done, you know, been a part of slavery or fucking oppression or whatever. But I'm aware that my culture has done that. Now, I'm not going to fucking whip myself on the back with the cat of nine tails like I'm ta- like we talked about earlier, but that doesn't mean I'm fucking ignorant enough to know that it's not – that I can be empathetic 
towards a culture that that should happen to. Yes, and empathy is important, and that's why I mentioned before about how we are, in our culture, by our own nature, self-critical. And that's important because self-criticism is very important for improvement. It's a necessary tool for improvement. And many people, as you say, whip out the cat of nine tails and try to whip the white oppression and institutional racism out of themselves. But there's really no reason to do that. Now, if we compare to, and again, like this is what we talk about, this is where the alt-right makes a lot of sense because we need to be race realists and look at what other, okay, for instance, where can you go? Where can you look at? What population can you look at in the rest of the world and find people where, other than the highest of the, the long family, old money aristocracy, a general population, John Q. public, that their ancestors weren't horribly oppressed. Well, again, and I've said this once, I'll say it a million times, there is no country that's even remotely comparable to the United States. We have 360 million people. And but what does that have to do with anything? Because it's a large... So what if it's five people? It doesn't matter. Yes, it does, man. When you get to that... Principles are principles. No. You're, this is an argument that we've had in many podcasts. You talk about theoretical things. I'm talking about real... like. I'm talking about history. I'm talking about things that did happen. The, what is there to compare to the United States? There's nothing in history that can compare to what we are now. There's nothing... There's no one-to-one -one comparison. There's not even a remote comparison to what we are now. We're talking about a country that's 360 million people, very diverse, very geographically large. We There is different cultures throughout our country, like there are different cultures throughout an entire continent. And we are all supposed to be under one rule and one president and one fucking Congress and House and all that shit. There is no comparison throughout history. So you can talk about history, you can talk about theoretical things, but there is no fucking comparison for it and that's the part that annoys me because i feel like you can talk about these like ideals and idea like ideologies and this is where like the alt-right thing pisses me off because i feel like they have these ideologies about things but i just think it's super ignorant on some of the th and again well, how is it ignorant what if i said that's not factually true um well first off you haven't given me like the whole base of what you think the alt-right stuff is because in my right, mind we'll go through it so like there there there's a whole lot of things so the alt-right considers themselves race realists and as as do all conservatives they want all people to do as well as they possibly can to rise as high as their wings can carry them and to remove all the barriers that stop all of us from accomplishing that no matter what they look like, where they come from. That is a great spin to put on what a lot of old right people say. That applies to everyone on the right. Oh my god, are you serious? It does. Are you it's, fucking serious? It's absolutely universal. Are unless you kidding you're, me? You're talking about pull, like an actual KKK member. Otherwise, uh, if you by the way, if, if you, you want, don't understand, if you want that, me to pull a, an actual K. Uh, Richard Spencer, who is a fucking self-proclaiming alt-right guy, who's a fucking white nationalist, who is excited about Hillary Clinton making that fucking speech where she talked about the alt-right because he's like, hey, we finally made it because a presidential candidate fucking acknowledged the alt-right. We're talking about a fucking white nationalist writer who's ecstatic about the alt-right getting the attention that it, get, that it gets 
mentioned by Hillary Clinton. Richard Spencer, like, more or less coined the term, which, whatever. Unfortunately, yeah. Okay, so. I have to get finished defining it before I can, like, attach any judgment to it. So that's, that's going to be, that's, okay, I shouldn't say universal, like, it's every single individual. (laughs) But you're going to go through, like, 97% of people on the right. That's what they want. They no, want people not. to do well. No, it's not. I can absolutely the confide right people fundament- that don't think that to less than 3%. You don't think... Absolutely, less than 3%. You don't think the last couple decades, let's say since this... Uh, God, it's been forever. Uh, but the modern Republican Party doesn't have a very strong history of, of doing a lot of things like voter discrimination, gerrymandering... And I'm not saying Democrats have been part of gerrymanders. Everyone gerrymanders. Republicans have done it systematically. They've done well. It's not true. Say in Florida, the, the wait. So the, who is who's responsible for voter discrimination? What party is the party of voter discrimination? Who's the party of Jim Crow? Okay, you want to go back? Yeah. Okay. And and so Abraham you, Lincoln was a Republican. I understand that. You don't yes. think the parties have changed? Do you think Do you think Abraham Lincoln was would be cool with the way the just because the, the the label is the same doesn't mean they're the fucking same. Abraham Lincoln was 150 fucking years ago. Still, who is the party of Jim Crow? It's not the Republicans. Okay. One of Republicans been involved in voter discrimination. Wait, you know what? Photo ID. Is that what you're gonna like? Is that what you're gonna point at? No, the the, the systematic stuff about. Uh, well, a lot of the gerrymandering stuff, the fucking, uh, a lot of, it's not voter IDs, it's the fact that there's, they, there is proven stuff about how they look at what races have likelier to have what IDs. There's been stuff about how in Florida, for example, this is just off the top of my head. What? I'm just, off the top of my head, uh, they're, they made rules about fucking, you know, felonies, or obviously it's fine that felons can't vote or whatever, no. but then they make marijuana discrimination laws about how if you get caught with an, a fucking gram or whatever, you're now a felon, and then they fucking have report after report about how uneven of a percentage it is of black people getting caught with fucking a gram of weed or whatever, making them a felon, making them, making them not be able to vote. Now that's systematic shit right there because there's a lot of there's plenty of like fucking undercover shit and and reports filed about that stuff about how it's not like white people weren't smoking weed. It's it, it's it's it was a systematic thing and a lot and okay so that doesn't go back directly to the Republican Party but a lot of those I a lot of those laws a lot of those things have been Republican ideals meaning they've been voted on by people in, in the Republican Party over the last couple decades. Yeah, we I don't think that you can even. I can't believe that you're saying that there isn't a – and when it comes to the immigration thing, you're saying that Republicans are the party of the people when it comes to all people? You're saying Republicans for the last 30 years are the are the party that represents the minority. And, and look, Democrats piss me off so much. I'm not, I'm not a fucking registered Democrat here. Democrats piss me off as much as – well, Republicans piss me off more now. But I would love to love the Republican Party. But the social shit that they do annoys me to an extent that I can't support them. So I, until I finish my explanation. Sorry. All right. Go ahead. I have to play my role. Okay. I have to play my role. Okay. Um, 
the all right is certainly a spectrum of individuals. And you are ranging from all different, all different backgrounds, all different types of people on this. But so we, we get into immigration, absolutely from every angle that I can figure, the alt-right is whenever possible against immigration. Seemingly from like anywhere that they can. But especially from, well, I mean, obviously where we get most of our immigrants. Well, I, I again disagree with that. From what I've seen, you say you, you, what you say they're not mostly against Latin American immigration. Yeah, they're mostly against Latin America. Latin yeah, that's American where most of our immigrants come from. It's like fifty so percent of it. Against. We control everything else. Personally, I would say we over control everything else. They, they don't have an issue with fucking. Canadians or Europeans coming to the country? Um, Have you ever heard someone fucking talk about that? Yes. And a lot of them do. No, okay. Seriously, and honest to God, like, you're not going to believe this. No, I'm not, but okay, go. I, I'm not saying that it's not been talked about. Portions of the, like, intellectual core of the alt-right um, lament the immigration of Scandinavians... It's not an oxymoron. <laughs> just kidding. If you mean intellectual, you can be wrong. Just look at I'm half of our college. That was me being a dick. Look at 90% of our college professors um, <laughs> outside of STEM areas. Um, they look at immigration of Scandi- from Scandinavian countries, Germany, and Italy as being highly negative and a major part of the problem for what degraded America during the 19th century because the people that came from those countries were not lovers of small government, had no concept of understanding of the British common law system of jurisprudence, and had no respect for like of, of natural law whatsoever. People were coming in and they were lovers of socialism. Now a lot of those people have come and congregated, like obviously we're in Milwaukee. And so it's no town. surprise that lots of Germans congregated here. They hired socialists, and we are still dealing with the problems that they created. Well, again, if you if you want to, we're not going to get into this again. If you want to listen to that argument we had, it was what two podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So they are not talking about. It's not a racial component for. The intellectual core of the alt right, which you can think exists or doesn't exist, I I wonder how much of it is really there. But the people that are driving the conversation, for what level of conversation there is, that's what they point out. That it's not a racial thing; it's a cultural thing. And they are they want to preserve a culture, and if people are of a different race, but can assimilate and adhere to a culture and improve a culture, they want those people. Which, incidentally, is why, like, again, we talk about the, the 40, and I've said before, like, I thought that Trump just wanted to go chase the 40% of the biggest idiots that he could find because nobody else was appealing to those people. That was probably and, the smartest political thing he's done. I don't <laughs> even know if he did that on purpose, but. He did. You think it was a manipulation? 
Um, I, think, I think it was by dumb luck. By everything that. in his career he's done has been through manipulating other people. So I, well, I'm, I'm tipping my hand too much. Um, <laughs> again, we're like, we're not talking about the rank and file. We're talking about the intellectual core for people that attempt to articulate. Can, can I have a, what the alt right has to can say? Can I have a sixty second interlude just to sure. Re- my issue when you're saying that, because, okay, when you're talking about the race realists and you're saying they want the the people that will improve the country or they'll, you know, they want everyone to have a fucking equal standing. And if you're, if you do great, then you're awesome. It doesn't matter what color you are or race you are or whatever. First off, I have a lot of problems with that because that, again, is an ideological thing that I think is a very dangerous point of view to have because... Okay, so here's my issues with that. First off, that makes it seem like these people that are saying that, there's no problems on their end. The people that are saying like, oh, if you're, if you're, a, I mean, what's the even word to use here? Like, oh, if you're a good person, if you're a contributing member of society. If you want to, what's wrong with saying you want to preserve a culture? Every other culture okay, does that. Okay, so you want, let's just say you want to say you're preserving a culture. If you want to throw so stones paying, at that, you have to throw stones at no, no, no. every other I, culture. I, I'm that just there trying is. to say. So you're saying the people that are saying that that makes it almost the implication that there aren't people in that alt right that are the problems. Because you're saying these people are. You can you can join us if you're uh, a contributor to not, the culture. I have not said that, and I am not. No, you haven't said that, but the way you're saying it almost implies that. It's supposed to. Okay. I'm not passing my judgment yet. Okay. So my issue being is, again, this is their take on what America is. Uh, I think it goes against, in my opinion, a lot of what I think America is. It goes for. against what we were taught what America is. Okay. Are you, are you going against... I'm not even going to get into that now. You already made the, the college professor crack or whatever obviously you're against the uh education system in the country or the the framework of what what, what are you what are you what are you saying about that because you already made a crack about that's the, a whole different discussion okay we'll do that in another podcast i don't even want to get into that now uh so we're talking about the alt-right wants to preserve culture right okay all i'm saying and is you're saying that that is inherently evil i'm not saying it's which inherently. is a very western point of view to think that that's evil. No, it's not. Because if you, you, you've already talked about this before. Well, You're who, talking about history and stuff like that. Who else doesn't want to preserve... Who else, who else in the world, what other culture, isn't but interested in you, preserving the culture? You're talking about it like, I want to preserve this culture. My two arguments would be, A, what the fuck <laughs> is the culture? And B... Like I said, there is no comparison for America. So they say they want to preserve this culture, which is a enigma because w- I think that's a buzzword that they can say because it's a very nationalistic thing to say. It, it's able to – they don't have a clear de- definition of a, what it is. When you're talking about being racially honest or whatever, I think that's a way to legitimize racism personally. No, nope, absolutely not. You don't think – you don't – okay – I'm it's not, extraordinarily I'm not, necessary to differentiate between the two because you cannot allow both into the same time. Okay, but again, here here is something that I need to make clear because what you're saying on paper, and this goes against some of the things I was saying, I would agree with you. 
I think it's really important for people to be honest about the situation certain races are be, are being or are whatever state they're in. Okay, I think on paper when you're saying that you're right, that it's important to acknowledge like, look, whether you're agreeing with me, disagreeing, let's just be fucking frank and honest about the situation we're in. I will. Okay, but my but issue is. People use that, and when I say people, I mean a huge number. I'm talking about millions of people use that as an excuse to justify racism. So they might say, no, I'm just being honest, but, and some of them are, okay? Some of them are just saying, hey, there is realistic problems in the black community. But there is a larger group of people, The peop- there's a huge group of the alt-right people. I'm not saying 100% of the alt pe- alt-right people are racist or the, that race honesty is wrong. I'm saying a huge portion of that population has used that to grasp. Uh, what happened? Was that an exception? Oh uh, yeah, and all due to heat. Sorry. Oh sorry. No, like we said, football. It's happening. Uh, what I'm saying is they use that shit to justify their beliefs and legitimize their racist beliefs. Can you not at least admit that there's a large portion of let's whether it's trump supporters or fucking uh alt writers or the breitbart or whatever it is like there's a large enough population where it's a problem maybe it's not as big as i'm saying maybe it's not as small as you're saying but there is a population that does use that fills all the stuff you're saying all the stuff you're saying they use that to legitimize and rationalize their hatred of races religions uh, females, whatever the fuck it is, they use that to legitimize it. Will you at least admit that there's a percentage of people that do that? So, I don't because I think the people that want to believe that shit believe it because they just so want to believe it that they don't need a reason. You don't think most people, when they believe something... The realists... the real like, I'm the not race, talking about realistic people. The race realists can't look... Or, the, the real racists, the real bigots, can't look at race realism because it just destroys their arguments. Is it still recording? It's still recording. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a uh, really weird pause in it. There was a bathroom break. and So, yeah, now we're back into it. Go ahead. We'll do another pause. Pause. Reset. Go. And delete this. You don't have to delete it. <laughs> Dude, this is a lax Okay, alright, alright, alright. All right. So, no, like, the the, pro- the people that, no, we look at, like, the true white percent, like, supremacists, and the... The, the, the true ones. <laughs> yeah, like, the real racists who think that, like, just whites are just the best, and that's all there is to it, is that the data doesn't support that viewpoint. The data supports that populations evolve to fit their environment over time. And now, granted, like, if we look really far back, there was thousands of years to do it. But in more recent history, it seems to take not that many generations to make a lot of differences. And what we do know is that all the genetic information that's required to make the smartest person is present in the dumbest person. It's just what's common to be picked up on, like what's, what's genetically being used in this generation and in, in this, in that particular environment, it's like, well, it's really strange to understand how 
humans adapt to their environments. Like we look at how like heights change or hell, how skin color changes. Uh, 7,000 years ago, it was generally understood that everyone was black and Europeans in had developed agriculture and stopped getting vitamin D in their diet. And so since their skin was so dark and they weren't getting any vitamin D in their diet, the ones that had the darker skin died off, bred less, and our skin got lighter. Like we just, we adjust so fast to an environment. And if you think that we're like, for like the real racists, the ones that are like the true bigots, that think that there's really long-term a difference, it doesn't hold up. All the genetic information for anyone to be anyone is all there. And a population can evolve quite quickly. All I'm saying is it's very easy to cherry-pick stats. It's very easy to cherry-pick data where you're saying, well, this race or this culture does something better than this one, or this one does something better than that one. And you're not looking over the history of where they got to, the, the, the disadvantages one has over the other. It's like, yes, on average... You could say this race has a higher IQ score than another one or something like that. But you can't discount the historical difference between one having all the advantages, the 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 ability, the access to education, all of that stuff is a huge factor. And I use this, this is a joke outside that when we were outside, I was saying, where I was like, this is like telling Teddy Bridgewater after he just tore up his knee, like, all right, well, it happened in the past. We'll get back up. Uh, yeah, you, you can't do that. And you could say, well, it's not how it works. Yeah, it's a year later. He should get back up. And it's like, yeah, but sometimes things happen hard. so terribly that they're never the same again. So you could say, well, like, don't say never. Like these things are. We're talking about no, one but sometimes, life the, sometimes versus generational. Okay, but sometimes, <laughs> and just to use this really ridiculous analogy, sometimes things are never the same because there's the white culture. It's not like this was like one country. This was something that like it, it's unique for Americans to be like white culture was the predominant culture. It's been going on for a fucking while. Well, there there was no white culture. There was a whole lot of different enclaves of different cultures that were all white. Yeah. But there wasn't a white culture. That's something that we've invented recently. Yeah, but it's not like as it's, it's taken not, it's not like over a hundred years for it's not different like, it's not like Americans populations were the first ones to, to each other to invent white people looking down on black people. No, certainly not. Uh, if anything, um, Muslims invented that. You're talking about Muslims versus like the African continent. There's a lot of there's a lot of racism back then about all that. Well, yeah, I mean the the Muslim slave trade began 800 years before the okay. European slave trade did. Okay. I I don't know where you're going with that, but okay. Well, I'm just saying like we didn't we didn't invent that. I, I know we didn't invent that. But I'm saying we came, we came, from, we came from colonial England. 
mm-hmm. which has a rich history. And I've said this in past po- podcasts. I'll say this again. People should hate fucking England much more than they hate America, considering what they've done to the world as a whole, uh, in my opinion. If we're comparing it to America, sure. But if we're going to compare England to someone else of their time, I think we might arrive at a different conclusion. Who else was worse than England? Well, I mean, look at um, look at South Africa itself. Mm-hmm. Average lifespans during like during colonialism, during the supposedly terrible apartheid times, which had a lot of problems, doubled. Oh, wait, say that again. You're saying average lifespans during apartheid South Africa doubled. So you're saying I'm saying it was bad. It was just better. You're saying it was better under apartheid than, than it was before. And after? Well, that's a different discussion. So you're saying life for South Africans was better during apartheid than before apartheid? That is true. I'm not even going to get into that. That's that's fucked up, man. Why? No, you're like just facts are facts. Like you can't like you can't judge facts as being fucked up or not fucked up or what is what is what is your fact that like a, a different time where maybe life expectancy maybe there was some sort of yeah, uh, introducing a new culture with introdu- better technologies. Like what else do you want? Okay, but they were there fucking were system. They were system. No, there were major problems that needed to be dealt with. Still, you're you're saying major. They were systematically fucking enslaving and, and oppressing a culture. You're saying life was better for South Africans. Yeah, it was worse than during than it is apartheid. Now. Maybe their fucking but mortality rate for babies went that. up a little bit or something like that because there was medicine introduced to the like certain westernized medicine but you're saying life was better for fucking south africans before or during apartheid than than before depends how you want to judge like life like we can talk about like kind of the i i would i would implore you to talk to south africans and ask if any of them have that if their ancestors any of them have that feeling because i would guess i'm sure they wouldn't yeah well then what are you saying? Well, they're looking at anecdotal life experiences versus some of these people are still statistics. fucking alive. Yeah, like we're looking at here's the thing, like we're looking at again, like this is this is a major sidetrack, but I'm just pointing out that during this supposedly terrible time, which was not good by our standards, is very not good by our standards, lifespans doubled. Average lifespans doubled. Okay, and I, I I don't know what what data you're referring to or whatever, but like, oh man, that was almost intercepted. I feel really bad sometimes that like we're having like a really serious talk and every time <laughs> I'm just like, oh shit, that was almost picked off. Fucking Trevor Simeon sucks. Anyway, uh, I just think uh, I think it's really fucked up when you're just like, yeah, you know, things no, are I bad mean, or whatever. Like that's that's basically being like, well, you know, like and. This is me being a dick again, and I'm over-exaggerating and being hyperbolic, but it's like, well, you know, yeah, I know the Nazis were terrible, but, like, you know, they were they were great at building infrastructure. They were, you know, like, there are some good things that came out of it. Like, yeah, it's really, it's really easy to say, cherry-pick a couple things and be like, well, you know, mortality rates during apartheid went up a little bit. They were fucking systematically, they took over a culture and oppressed them.
I mean, we can argue about what a culture is, but like, I mean, like what, like how do you like what, what objective stat do you want? Like, you want to look at the like the Hegelian utopia that fact that 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 pays attention to the idea of the the noble savage that the only free person is the person that's running around in the forest eating whatever they can find and shitting on a rock. I mean, what, what you, is, you, you, what is, is that, ideal life to you? What is do you that, want? Is that your image of what South Africa was? They're just fucking eating berries and shitting on rocks. Like, that was life, and everyone there was the same, and that's just what I'm it just was. I'm just asking if, like, that's the idea of the noble savage. Like, Frederick Hegel, he was a, a German philosopher in the 1700s. And a lot of modern socialism is derived from a lot of his ideas, and, like... What you're saying to me sounds like that's the ideal. Now, whether it's like some version of it, whatever, it doesn't I never matter. Said, I never said that was the ideal. But well, it, you it, say like these terrible things happened. Yes, they were like terrible things happened. They were awful. They were absolutely awful. And 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 nobody went to the lengths that all the children of the British Empire did in the 19th century to do away with slavery. Like no one else cared. No one else gave a shit. But all the children of the British Empire did. But we're just the most evil of anything. Because again, like I go back to what I said, like at the beginning of the podcast, we it's our nature to be self-critical, to judge our failings, the terrible things that we've done, and try to improve them. And I think that's a good thing, not a bad thing. We just need to not then assume that we are the worst ever. So. I think we have uh, I think we have very firmly dealt with the immigration and racial components of the alt right. Um, for the most part, like what's left, we get down to free trade. Um, most of the speakers and on behalf of the alt right believe that intrastate trade or intranational trade has dramatic benefits over international trade because you can limit the loss of jobs to people overseas. Okay. I mean, that's like, that's the argument and there's some, I mean, there's some reason to it. I can't like, just based off of the things I've said in previous podcasts, I can't pretend to, I mean, I can't even play devil's advocate and pretend to support that. But that is like the other major component to the alt-right. I feel like that should be a longer discussion than everything that we talked about before, but I don't think it's just, I don't know, maybe I guess it's just less of a hot-button thing. But the idea, like, there is a common belief that by doing so much trade with cultures that are in some respects further behind, that we're short-shrifting our own people and taking jobs away from our own people. And as a result, certain candidates use that as a tool you can just say, to you demagogue can, everything. You can obviously. just say Hillary. I was going to say Trump, but what, I was going to say Trump and Bernie, but whatever. Okay. Trump and Bernie, like they, they played that card. Oh, okay, sorry. I, I misinterpreted what you were saying. You were saying that they were, okay. I haven't really heard Hillary make that case much. Hillary doesn't say anything. Well, that's true. She hasn't had a press conference in 272 days. Yeah. 
It actually seventy three no, days. This something is something. Like this is something. This is a weird thirty second tangent that I want to go on. Is she gonna live until the election? Are you actually gonna go into that whole thing? About... No, but there's something going on. Though. No, there's fucking not, dude. Really? Yeah, really. There's something going on, dude. She left the. F- she... I'm guessing it's not that big of a deal. But who, like, who, who do you needs... think's actually healthier, her like her or Trump? Because according to Trump, he's the healthiest candidate that's ever been elected or whatever, according to his doctor, well, who is the shadiest Hillary motherfucker ever. Is the most qualified candidate to ever run. Well, and I, I still think that is an arguable statement versus his doctor, who is a shady-ass dude, who has been caught with stuff, who is not a part of the, the practices that he says, uh, and also admits that... Does any of that surprise you? No, it was the most Trump thing ever. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, none of that surprised me. But... Hillary coughs a couple oh, times. It's like she the, released a fucking hell statement. It's in almost like it's the most Hillary thing ever, if anything. What the, What are you talking about? Hillary releases a full doctor's There's report nothing in more 2015. Hillary than lying. Okay. This is so infuriating to me because Trump does something <laughs> egregious. Hillary does something minor. And I'm not a huge Hillary supporter. I will vote for her. I think that she's a better option than Trump. I think that she is a impressive politician to me in a lot of ways but that doesn't mean that i think she's a severely flawed candidate talented and liar the, the clintons as a whole piss me off in a lot of ways because i think they are the prototypical politician that doesn't mean that i think they haven't done a lot of good they haven't it's not like they're just whatever that's a whole other thing but my point being trump does something awful she does something minor <laughs> trump does 10 things awful she does something minor and it's like well, which one? Oh, they're both terrible. And it's like, no, he is exponentially worse than her. Wait. In every way. So he sold access? What do you mean he sold access? He sold access to the Secretary of State position? First off, that has never even been remotely proven. Not remotely proven. Again, like... They when we were, oh, when no, we were, when yeah, we were, I know what you're going to say. We were off mic, we talked a lot about Marvin Harrison being a gangster, and they just God, somehow couldn't prove it. it. But we know it happened. No, okay. And yes, you're talking the talented, about... The talented gangster doesn't get caught. You're going to make a lot of inferences about how, with the Clinton campaign, that there was fucking... Don't, if you make a donation, you can meet with her or whatever. And she was Secretary of State during all this. There is, they just released a report that and only like the 2,000 people that enough. met with her, only 84 of them were fucking and Clinton donation people. Certainly Most of them. Not to give that access until after she actually becomes president. I mean, come on. You can't be so naive okay. as to believe. So go ahead and make these conspiracy allegations, which, look, I'm not naive enough to say that there's probably not some shady shit or whatever. But come on, dude, that is fucking ridiculous to say you're just just because you're assuming it. And I'm not even saying it's not some of those things might be a modicum of uh, accurate. And I'm only saying that because who knows? Because it's obviously so true. you're taught you're going to defend the fucking guy who I didn't it, say it, that. I'm just talking about Hillary right now. See, this is what Trump supporters do, and this is what pissed me off. Do up. it? So you said we, so you are a Trump supporter. I am playing a role. Finish your statement. Okay, so but this is this is what Trump does, and this is why he's done well at all this. Because he goes, Oh, you know, all this and then they attack her or they attack him and, and, and he just goes, I don't know what you're talking about or whatever. He is fucking he- 
he's fired two campaign managers. One of them was connected to the fucking uh, par- uh, uh, group that part time. What? No, I'm just kidding. That was that was con- that was supporting Putin. He was taking. He was on the payroll of a Ukrainian group that fucking supported Putin. He just said last night in a town hall that he, he he's complimented Putin left and right. Like it, it it boggles my mind the incompetent, insane shit he says that people are just like, oh, uh, but you know what? Do you Fuck, think do you Hillary think- set up an email server and it's like, oh my god, that's a big deal compared to fucking all of the shit he said and done. Well, just delivering secrets to the enemy. Like while being deniable for it, I mean that's pretty genius. Do you think that? Wait, Trump, is that is that an accusation? Did you just make you an think, accusation think, towards Hillary because that's not a thing? What do you mean it's not a thing? It happened. So what do you mean what do you she's delivering? Oh, you're talking about Benghazi? Well, what the fuck? No, are you talking about the email server? Like you again? Yeah, it's it's the perfect deniability. Delivering fucking. It's the perfect. You just said she was delivering shit to the enemy. What? What are you saying? Just like With how Obama's the fucking founder of ISIS? Are you kidding me? Oh, that, that's silly. Come on. It's all silly, man. You think? Okay, just fucking be real. And I know you're playing devil advocate and all that stuff, and I'm getting upset and whatever. You but are. It's really do you fun. honestly think Hillary Clinton has fucking ever delivered anything to someone who's anti-America? Do you think that she's delivered fucking national secrets to a party that is in their best interest to hurt America or something like that? Like, well, I mean, she spent her entire life as a Democrat, so. Rimshot. I mean, that's, I mean, that goes back to, um, that goes back to, was it 1980 or 1984 when the question was put to Reagan where he's like, when he was asked, like, can you not take, and it was 1984, can you not take any responsibility for that economic situation of the country? And he said, I absolutely can. I spent most of my life as a Democrat. Um, <laughs> great answer. Didn't let's, say, uh, didn't say a thing. We're going to bring all this answer. together. Yeah. And I'm going to, like, let's, no, let's but, just forget that all this is happening right now. Let's take a hypothetical. Oh! Sorry, touchdown. Broncos just, <laughs> Broncos just took the lead nine minutes left. I want you to imagine a hypothetical situation. And Done. we're going to assume that it's, it's just generally considered that Republicans will just always be better for the economy than Democrats. That, this, is, this is an that, interesting hypothetical. A hy- total hypothetical. Total hypothetical. And maybe, maybe I'm talking about an actual election that's, uh, that can be talked about. Maybe, maybe. Now, and let's imagine that neither party is behind their candidate particularly well at all. Yeah. That there's a scandal behind each candidate. Yeah. Now, let's imagine that with the Republican, there is a push to draft a prominent leader in the party to run against him and replace him as the, as the nominee. Now let's imagine... This sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. Now let's imagine that this election is really muddied up by annoying social issues that really don't have any business in a presidential election. That have more... Have more business being discussed in over a dinner table. Yeah. Not over... And as part of a national issue. And these issues regard culture, like maintaining culture as they, 
as one side believes that it, it has been, whether it ha- really has been or not, as they believe it has been, and another side as they believe that it, it should be, whether it should be or not. And one of those candidates is an elected official from New York and struggled heavily with a whole lot of corruption. So we're, we're still talking hypothetically, right? Totally hypothetically. <laughs> now let's imagine on, on the other side, you have a candidate who's a major protectionist. Protectionist? Protectionist rather than being, rather being, than being in, in favor of free trade. Now let's say that same candidate says very vocally and makes a platform out of fighting for the little guy, a very populist argument for people that their families have spent their entire lives doing a job, working for something, and now that job is being taken away from them by something else. Now, let's say that same candidate wants to restrict immigration from abroad, largely, based on national origin. Does this hypothetical candidate want to do so by building a wall? Just like laying this out, Ben, what election am I talking about? Uh, I don't know, George. Venture a guess. Well, I'm sure that you found some past election uh, that comparably goes... You see that I'm holding a pad of paper. Yeah, I Obviously, if you didn't see that I was holding a pad of paper and watched me do this, you would make a certain assumption about the current election. I'm talking about the 1928 presidential election. In this election, we had... How long was it before um, what's his name died in 1921? Half a year? Are you talking about Harrison? Wait, no. No, no, no. Oh, wait. Uh, uh, by the way, I got to say, so I've always said that I think uh, Hillary Clinton is the, and I know where you're, I'm sorry. Let me, fin- you finish your point and who you're talking about. Okay. I know- so I'm talking about the 1928 election. And this is following up Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge and 1921, or well, the election was during 1920. Warren G. Harding, he died shortly after, giving way to his vice president, who is my favorite. When you, said, when you said died, by the way, I thought, I thought you were saying they died in office. So I was like, what are you talking about? He did. Harding? Yeah, like almost like very soon after taking office. Very soon. And Calvin Coolidge took over it. He won re-election. Died, like incredibly soon after he took office. It was like a year. What, don't scandal all that? It wasn't a year. He got sick and died. He didn't. He wasn't assassinated. He just got sick no, and I died. Yeah, I know that. I'm just saying. It was very soon after. All right. And well, he. But the thing Where is, Reggie Harding, by the way, is one of the worst presidents of all time. Fortunately, he didn't live long enough to matter. And gave way to Calvin Coolidge, who is my favorite president of all time. He's got some epic uh, stories about him. His main utility is that he lowered tax rates to put them right around the top of the Laffer Curve, which we're going to talk about what the Laffer Curve is. 
and then past that just didn't do anything really stupid. And as a result, due to technological improvements that have been happening and incidentally the availability of immigrant labor and the result of very low steel prices and improved manufacturing processes and the fact that he vetoed everything else that came across his desk and kept government out of the way of business, we had the Roaring Twenties. Going into the 1928 election, it was assumed that Herbert Hoover, the Republican candidate who was Calvin Coolidge's Chamber of Commerce secretary, who, by the way, was a uh, billionaire who 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 knew how to run a business. Sound familiar? We will cover that. Okay. Ran against Al Smith from New York. Al Smith was awash in controversy for being part of the Tammany Hall political family. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to say it's like the Clinton crime family foundation, but it was its own political machine. He was anti-prohibitionist and he was Catholic, which flow in, it flew in direct face of the cultural oh, at the time, protectionism at the time, that's of the deal. time. It's crazy now to think about how being a Catholic was a big deal. Herbert Hoover was a protectionist. He was absolutely not a free trader. He looked at the very slow rate that the European allies from World War I were paying back their debts, some of which were barely keeping up with interest payments, as an insult to the American people. Okay. He looked at the way we perfected steel production and rail production and the fact that other countries copied our methods and we're now flooding our market with cheap steel and they were putting Americans out of work. He promised to fight for beleaguered farmers um, in the decades leading up to this election as farming practices improved, manufacturing techniques improved, became decreasingly necessary for as many people to be involved in agriculture. And so as a result, there were still too many people making too much food for the population we had at the time. And as a result, the people that were farming were making less money. Hoover sought to heavily restrict immigration based on national origin. And the point, the devil's, devil's advocate points I was making before, I talked about Scandinavian and German and Italian immigration for a reason. Because though they're different countries than what we are dealing with now. Oh my God, they're kicking a field goal. Sorry. They were the same damn arguments that Trump's making. They're the same damn arguments that the alt-right makes right now. Ben, what was, uh, what was the result of this election? Well, if I can remember my history, uh, Hooper did great. The economy shot upwards. 
uh, for a few months. Yeah, I'm getting to it. Okay, go ahead. You know I'm joking. Obviously, I know the Great Depression comes. Why did the Great Depression come? Which which factor do you want? I mean, uh, there's three generally accepted factors. Ignorance of how one he had no control over. The other he indirectly did, and one his policies directly did. Okay. So the factor that, which was the the third the third step in it was the Federal Reserve, which we can have a whole different podcast in the Federal Reserve, but they didn't do what they were set up to do to prevent runs on banks. The insult to our allies, our own allies, that owed us money, that this election and his rhetoric posed, influenced them to repudiate their debts to us, which greatly damaged our balance sheet as a nation. All the like, both of those would be insignificant without the main factor, the Smoot-Hawley Tariff Act. The Smoot-Hawley Tariff Act was put in place to prevent the flooding of American markets with foreign goods. Sure, we weren't moving American jobs overseas at that time. That was really difficult to do at that level of technology. But our methods and our technology was transported abroad and producing raw materials that were sent to this country and were, to somewhat of an extent, putting Americans out of work. This rationale was used to justify the Smoot-Hawley Tariff Act of 1929. Now, it should be noted that during the summer of 1929, at points when, as it was argued in Congress, it looked like it would be passed, the markets had a tumble. And in weeks when it looked like it was going to fail, the markets rallied. And then, when it did pass, in short order, our foreign trade partners that were supposedly so terrible for us passed retaliatory tariffs. Now what that did is it increased dramatically the price our tariffs dramatically our tariffs on foreign importation of raw material dramatically increased the price of material that was required to build the products that we were making and selling to our own people. So our, at that point, we were, we were on a Model A's at that point, right, at Ford? Okay. I believe. We were past the Model T and onto the Model A. It got more expensive. And foreign, our foreign trade partners passed retaliatory trade tariffs that dramatically increased the price for their people to buy our goods. So our foreign markets, you got to remember that at that time, we, we talk about a trade imbalance now, where we buy a little bit more than we sell abroad. 
at that time, there was a dramatically huge trade imbalance in our favor. And those tariffs, those retaliatory tariffs, eliminated, not completely eliminated, but largely eliminated our ability to sell products abroad. Okay. Now, not only due to the increased are, are price of our own products, right point of this we are closing the loop. Okay. Now, not only did our own workers lose their ability to afford the products that they were making, there was no foreign market for their products. Despite what anyone else will tell you, this sparked the Great Depression. This led to the election of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who created the greatest Ponzi scheme in the history of America in Social Security, who, as we established in a previous podcast, laid the deepest foundations for the Great Recession 80 years later. All of this happened because in 1928, people who supported the exact same ideologies that the alt-right supports now believed that their candidate, Herbert Hoover, was better than Al Smith because Al Smith was corrupt. He was associated with Tammany Hall. He was from New York. I'm not sure. I think they're both from New York. We assumed that because Republicans are generally better from the economy, and at that time they had Wilson to look back on, who was an unmitigated disaster, that just Republicans would always be better. That how could they sacrifice four years of Al Smith, of a Republican, whoever it is, even if even if he was so hated, even if he was not supported by his own party, even his own party sought a movement to redraft Calvin Coolidge to run again, to be the, the stabilizing influence to not do insane things. Even if they couldn't get the guy who was the right guy, or just someone who would be a reasonable candidate, they decided it was better than someone who was a Catholic. Someone who was corrupt, like any other politicians aren't. And for that, we enter the darkest period of our nation's history. That's the darkest? Economically? Economically, okay. Well, okay, obviously the Civil War is the darkest period of our nation's history. Um, World War II was extraordinarily dark, but right, so for the everyday American living their life on their home soil for 15, 16, <clears throat> 17 years, that's the worst we've had it. All right. So and we didn't have it. We didn't have it because a Democrat was elected and did stupid things. It happened because all of these things were supported and they led to the election of a very bad candidate. 
Is this your your so bravo for the history lecture? I enjoyed all of that. Uh, I don't agree with some of it, but cool. <laughs> uh, is this your long about admitting that you played devil's advocate? I, I I can't tell off that if you're saying that Trump is a good candidate or a terrible candidate. Really. He's a terrible candidate. That's right. not only that's what I thought candidate. you were saying. Not only is he a bad candidate. Okay. I I would I I I'm not sure that I would pick him over Hoover. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought I've, you were saying. I just didn't know because the entire are, night it's been devil's advocate. There's I didn't know if you were lot, trying to make some weird U-turn thing at the end there. There's a lot of logic behind a lot of things that the alt-right believes that makes sense. That is just it's logical. There's a lot of truth behind it and there's a lot of untruth behind it there's a lot of illogic behind it okay um the alt-right talks in depth about how the melting pot is a myth and the problem is that they're right about it it was a myth the 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 phrase was coined by a brit who had never been to america in the 20th century it was made up. It was never true. But who cares? It's not particularly important. Culture matters. Okay. But people matter more. Are, are, are you done? Are you done on your soapbox? <laughs> Almost. Okay. Um, blaming everything on immigrants. Is silly because people that come here because they want to be a part of, of what we have is only relevant because we are what we are. And if people come here and they can successfully and so easily change everything, then how strong was this bond that we had, that we imagined that we had? Was our culture really that powerful that it could be so easily changed by a band of what's so often called vagrants? And when it comes to the free trade argument, we talk about NAFTA's terrible, we're going to rip it up. The, the, end, the Pacific Trade Agreement is terrible. And then talk about how it favors China when China is not involved in it. To meet with a, a, a foreign president, to have a press conference where you come to what sounds like the most reasonable terms that have been come to over the course of an entire campaign, only to completely flush it down to the toilet merely hours later. Not only is Trump the modern equivalent of Herbert Hoover, he's worse. And saying that, and I will never support Hillary on those terms, in the terms of I think that Hillary should be president, but the nomination process happened and we fucked up. We fucked up. And just because that happened, that doesn't mean we need to stick to it. And it doesn't mean we need to saddle the next two generations of Americans with the results of that. There's no reason why 
after four years of a disastrous Trump, we should have 16 years of Democrats to the left of Bernie Sanders, which is what will happen. With our debt level being what it is, I don't care who's elected, there's going to be a recession. And it's going to be ugly. But if Trump's president, you know who's going to get blamed. And the thing is, he'll probably make it worse, not better. All right, let me let me say a couple things now. First off, I applaud you for a lot of the stuff you just said. I, I really do. I I know how difficult it can be when you're seeing it, it's a, it's a, it's basically like watching. That'd be like me watching the Packers. You know, just they would have traded Aaron Rodgers in 2008. It's what it's what I would imagine being like a Redskins fan is like all the time, where you're just like you hate your organization because the owner sucks. Why would you pick the Redskins? Because they're terrible and they make all the wrong. Look, what take the Redskin name out of it and all that. I'm oh. talking I'm, Redskins. So, so it's like I would imagine it's being like a Redskins fan where you know your owners suck. You. But the worst part is your oh, quarterback oh. is a Spartan. No, I'm just kidding. I know Eric will <laughs> never listen to this. What I'm saying is, like, you know your team kind of sucks, and you, you, but it's your team. Like, it's like you have a terrible owner that you don't agree with. You have – your team is – and I know the Redskins went to the playoffs last year. I understand, blah, blah. But historically, for the last – since they were good, they've been bad. And they, Dan Snyder is regarded as a pretty terrible owner, Okay. It's kind of like being a uh, Raiders fan. I know they were once good, but they've been bad for a while. Okay, And I know that they're maybe going to be good again, but they've been bad for a while. So, ridiculous argument, whatever. You're admitting that the Republican Party is in a quagmire of a position. You're saying, you hate, you hate Hillary, but you know what? Trump is not the option. Trump is not the future. Trump is not even the present. Trump is not the answer for any of this shit. And by the way, Trump is not even a Republican. so Not even a little bit. Let's just dissuade that right now. He's not even at all right. I don't think Trump is anything. I don't know what the fuck Trump is, but he's not anything. Like, I you, think all of these things I've talked about that represent the alt-right, near as I can tell, I think he believes those things. I, I think he is anti-free trade. And I think he is for preserving our culture. I'm not sure he knows what that means. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. Well, he probably knows what that means. I'm not sure he cares what that means. I don't. I, I'm positive that he knows what that means. I don't. Think I he don't cares think he cares means. about it either because I really do believe Trump is a pretty high functioning narcissist. Like he just he doesn't care about a lot of this stuff. He he is. Cons- the last thing we need is another con- like a consecutive narcissist in chief. General Obama. Clearly, you think that Obama is. As narcissistic as Trump. No. If you say worse, I'm going to fucking punch you. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, but it's a, it's a higher level than, like... All politicians are narcissists. No, but, like, it's just... Before that, though, like... We right, had almost right. self-deprecating... We're, we're, get, we're getting sidetracked right, here. Anyway, okay, okay. I appreciate the devil's advocacy... And hold on, I'm really sorry to cut this off or whatever, but anyone that's listening to this, I swear to God, I hope you guys watch this game because this game has been... Oh, shit, was that picked (laughs) off? 
Was that picked off? No, incomplete. I hope you guys have been watching this fucking football game because it's been great. There's 42 seconds left in the game, and it's been amazing. Anyway, my issue... I don't even know what I... I'm, I'm sorry. Football. This is Christmas Eve for me. It's the Thursday night football before Sunday. Um, I appreciate that you did the devil, devil's advocate thing. I appreciate that you did the uh, history lesson between the election now versus the Herbert Hoover thing. By the way, Calvin Coolidge is one of my favorite uh, presidents. Well Cheers to that. And also, I will say, when I talk about... Hold on. When I talk about uh, how Hillary... And I know how much you disagree when I say this. How do I, how do I turn that off? Uh, that Hillary is one of the most qualified candidates. Oh, my gosh. Cam Newton hurt. You're sticking to the, that she's qualified for being anything more than dog catching? Yes, completely. I, I still will argue that she's one of the most qualified candidates, if not the most qualified candidate ever. But what I will say is she's not the most qualified candidate ever because Calvin Coolidge technically is probably the most qualified candidate ever because Calvin Coolidge did every fucking level of government like fucking possible. He was a mayor. He was a congressman. He was fucking everything. He was like on the most local to state to federal level. Calvin Coolidge did it all. He is probably the most qualified person of all time. Also, Calvin Coolidge had some of the most bad... He was a very quiet-spoken guy and had some of the most badass lines I've ever heard about. You ever heard about the uh, the You Lose joke? No. Wait, yeah. from going back to the Charlie and Chaka Factory or what? No, no, no. The, the Calvin Coolidge thing, there's apparently... So Calvin Coolidge was very quiet, like didn't say much or whatever. Yep, that's what and there was a woman at a state dinner who came up to him and goes, You know, Calvin, I've heard you were a very quiet guy. Somebody bet me fifty dollars that I couldn't get you to say more than three words to me, and he looked at her and just said, "You lose," and, <laughs> walked away, and then walked away. Maybe I have read that. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite presidential stories I've ever. Heard. I don't know if it's true or not, whatever. But apparently, he like has like a renowned history of being the quiet, cool, a guy. man, a few words. Yes. Okay. Anyway, that was a long sidetrack. But given, like, you have to understand that given. What was going on under his presidency? He had carte blanche to do, like, if he had some iota of radical ideology of any kind but in he his being. But he didn't. He had carte blanche to do anything. But he didn't. And he didn't. Yep. His his restraint was legendary. It's a, it's, a, it's a rare situation where you get someone of that level of uh, power where they don't want that level of power. The best I mean, leaders have never sought leadership in their life. That's like a James Polk where he didn't want to run for a second term. Yeah. I mean, George Washington fucking stepped down. He didn't, two terms wasn't a thing. He set a precedent. He set a precedent. Now, FDR, and I know we disagree on FDR. You said he ran the largest Ponzi scheme ever. Uh, I, We're talking about Social Security, obviously. Okay, but uh, regardless of all that stuff, you know, uh, he had four terms, and obviously there's term limits since then. Um, I think he's a pretty good president. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it it's just a difference of time. We might we should probably wrap up this podcast soon. Yeah, and my battery's going to die. Your battery's going to die. There's 29 seconds left in this game. I actually say we have to record until this game's over, because if something happens... <laughs> Like, there's no way we can cut out this fucking podcast. With... Okay, but I'm glad that we resolved all this stuff about how his 
you hate Trump or you hate Hillary, but Trump is not the option. And I reacted passionately and probably, oh my God, fucking Kelvin Benjamin, you're a beast. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I probably reacted pretty passionately on some of the stuff because I sometimes get really upset about the alt-right because I think, I do think that some of their points can be fair. I think that there's some reality of the stuff that they put on. But you could say that about almost any ideological group if you ignore a huge part of their viewpoints. Because whether or not the alt-right attracts a type of person, and again, not, not at their core beliefs. I'm not saying like some of their shit might be right. But I think it does attract a mis misogynistic, a person who thinks men are inherently better. I think it attracts a person who thinks white rights are superior. I think it attracts a person who thinks those things. That doesn't mean that that's inherently what the thing stands for, but I think it largely attracts those people to a large number and a large degree. That's been my point all along, and that's my issue with alt-right. Because I think it does encapsulate a lot of racists, a lot of misogynistic people, even, ironically, a lot of homophobic people, even though one of the biggest, uh, you know, supporters Trump of Trump is one of the biggest, like, gay supporting candidates ever. Yep. Okay. And also the Milo guy is openly gay. But I also, I, I, I can guarantee you a, a, such Which, a high percentage of the people that would consider them alt-right are not gay supporting people. Milo says that. I haven't, like, what has Trump said that, like, would lead you to believe that, though? What leads, like... Leads you I, to believe what? That he's... So, that he's so gay-supporting. Have Trump? I just missed this? Trump? Yeah. Oh, he, no, he, I, I was talking about Mueller. I wasn't talking about Trump. I know, but, like... I think Trump, like, Milo says it all the time. This isn't my joke, but they were talking about how Trump's been reaching out to uh, the black voters recently. And uh, on the Daily Show, which is not the John Stewart Daily Show, it's the Trevor Noah Daily Show, which I think has been better recently, but it's not nearly as funny as the John Stewart thing. He was going, it's not that he's reaching out to black voters, he's reaching out to black voters so white people don't feel as bad for voting for him because it looks like he's reaching out to black voters. Trump is going to get probably, realistically, about 2% of the black vote. Which is 3% less than, well, 8% than the, less than they used to get. Romney got 3% less I believe less Romney got 6%. Okay. And in 2008, it was like 95 to 5. I, and I understand this is going against Obama, but I'm just saying Romney versus a black candidate was doing better than Trump versus a white woman. Trump is going to lose this election, and he's going to lose it badly. I don't think Trump from so the my problem is I'm not convinced. Oh, I'm con I'm I've been convinced for. I'm not sure you like, will will are coming to terms with how how badly Hillary is being received. Hillary's a terrible Ashley. candidate. She's doing so many things wrong. I believe uh, she's uh, approaching this candidacy. She's approaching this election like she did in 2008 to Obama where she thought it was hers in the bag and hers to lose. And that's why she lost to Obama, and I'm sorry this field goal is about to happen and this is game, 
And I'm no, what you're saying—that's absolutely true. Like, she lost to Obama because she assumed the... it was hers. Yep. I think that's a really good point. Um, I think at that we will wrap up. Thanks to everyone for listening. Um, this is a very contentious podcast. Um, got a little more heated than usual, but I think it was enjoyable, and uh, I think it was a worthwhile discussion. So thanks a lot, and you can hear from us in two weeks. Bye.